Welcome to Through the Bible. I'm Steve Schwetz, welcoming you aboard the Bible bus as we continue our five-year journey through God's entire Word. Now, in just a minute, our teacher, the late Dr. J. Vernon McGee, is going to begin our study in Psalm 140 to 143. But first, there's an introduction that he recorded to help get us started. The Bible bus, my beloved, is getting ready to roll right out of the wonderful book of Psalms next time. And we'll be rolling along to the book of Ephesians in the New Testament. The book of Psalms starts us singing. We've had a lot of music coming from the Bible bus recently, and I wasn't making the music, I can assure you. And as we come to Ephesians, we'll still be making music. It's another wonderful book that carries us right into the heavenlies. Now, today our study will take us into the 140th Psalm. Now, we've noticed going through the book of Psalms that they come in clusters, that a theme will run through several of the Psalms. So like your song book, you know, in your church, you have a series of songs on redemption. Then you have a series of songs on the church. Well, that's the way the book of Psalms is arranged. But Psalm 140 is a lonely psalm, but it stands alone in its majesty, and we'll be coming to it now in just a few moments. Our final study in Psalms is going to be on Monday, and then on Tuesday we'll begin a new study in the New Testament book of Ephesians. If you haven't yet gotten your copy of Dr. McGee's free notes and outlines, they're available in a couple of different ways. First, you can download them by individual book, but even better, you can get the complete notes and outlines for all 66 books in one digital book called Briefing the Bible. You can download your free copy of that over at ttb.org. Also, we have an abridged paperback version available as well, and we'll happily send you one free copy. But we can also send you additional paperbacks that you can purchase. Or you can read it on Kindle if that's what you like to do. Again, you can find all the details at ttb.org or call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE if we can help. Now let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are our refuge and you are our hope. May your word be a blessing to all those who listen today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's set off for Psalm 140 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now, we come today to this 140th Psalm. This Psalm here, it sets before us in prophecy the last days when the godly remnant of Israel are facing the Antichrist, that false Messiah, the man of sin. And this psalm actually is a prayer, and it is a prayer of David. And he's asking and praying for protection because of the fact that evil men are about him, and the evil man is about him. The man of violence that Paul wrote about in Second Thessalonians. And David was under, apparently, some pressure at that particular time, and apparently it was, of course, that madman Saul, but it looks forward to the day when one even worse than Saul will arise. And, friends, it has an application for you and me today. Many of us that could pray this prayer, Deliver me, O Lord, from the evil man 
and preserve me from the violent man. Now, here is a designation of the Antichrist. He's called the evil man, and he's called the violent man. But John says there are many Antichrists, and I'm sure that many of us today have, in our experience, have come in contact with evil men. And this is the prayer of David. Deliver me, preserve me. And friends, that's always been my prayer, that, O God, in the ministry, do not let me fall under the influence or the power of any one man. That's a dangerous thing when it happens to a preacher or when he falls under the power of a little clique in a church. That's dangerous. In fact, it's dynamite. And then he goes on to say what this man does, who imagine mischiefs in their heart continually are they gathered together for war. They've sharpened their tongues like a serpent. Adder's poison is under their lips. And you remember that Paul speaks of the human race as being like that. That's the kind of a tongue that we have because the tongue you and I have got can absolutely destroy as much as any atom bomb can. It can ruin a man's character, blacken his life. That is, I should say, reputation can't change his character, of course. Then he continues to pray, "'Keep me, O Lord, from the hands of the wicked one.'" and preserve me from the violent man who have purpose to overthrow my goings. This is the prayer of David, you see. Then we have included in here uh, imprecatory prayer, and we mean by that, here is a prayer that I do not think that this is a prayer for Christians to pray, but for the people that are in the great tribulation period, and they're back under law, I see no reason why they shouldn't pray this prayer. They are to pray for divine judgment and for divine wrath, but we are not to. That's not for this day of grace. Now listen to the prayer, verse 8. Grant not, O Lord, the desires of the wicked. Father, not his wicked device, lest they exalt themselves. Now he's praying against the Antichrist and against that wicked man. As for the head of those who compass me about, let the mischief of their own lips cover them. Let burning coals fall upon them. Let them be cast into the fire and the deep pits that they rise not up again. Now, I don't think that's a prayer today for a believer because we've already been told today, Paul says in Romans 12, verse 19, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself but rather give place to wrath, for it's written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him to drink, for in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his hand. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. In other words, don't let yourself be made bitter and carried away in enmity and trying to get even or revenge against someone because you've departed from the walk of faith. God will take care of it. And my experience has been when we keep our hands off, God will generally move in and deal with these folk today that attempt to thwart and hinder God's work. And God says, vengeance is mine. Turn the case over to me. 
appeal your case to the Supreme Court. Just turn it over to me. And then you can do something good now for this individual. God puts us in an unusual place. Then he says here, verse 11, Let not an evil speaker be established in the earth. Evil shall hunt the violent man to overthrow him. In other words, if we will not forsake the path of faith, there is sure victory. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And the wicked tongue is not going to be established or survive. The lie will finally be made known. Satan was a liar from the beginning, and he's got a lot of his urchins running around today, but they'll be exposed someday as liars. Now we come to Psalm 141, and this is another Psalm of David. And this is a psalm that has something to do with his personal history. I'm sure that I couldn't fit it in, probably during the time that he was fleeing from Saul. And it looks ahead again to the time when the godly remnant will be struggling themselves against the evil man of that day. And it has a message for us today. It's another prayer of David. One commentator has said, David was in love with prayer. Great man of prayer. And let's notice this 141st. Lord, I cry unto thee. Make haste unto me. Give ear unto my voice when I cry unto thee. Let my prayer be set before thee as incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. David is the one that mentioned the fact that prayer was like incense, sweet incense. And today, when you and I pray and praise in the name of Christ, that prayer is like sweet incense that went up out of the tabernacle when Aaron went in and sprinkled incense on the altar of prayer. That is the golden altar. And just as that sweet incense ascended, that's the way the prayer is made. But you know, prayer should have some background to it. It should be backed up by a life. The Lord Jesus has made it very clear that today, if we expect God to hear and answer our prayers, that there must be in our lives that obedience to him. This idea today that we can just live any way and expect God to answer prayers is a big mistake. He says, if you shall ask anything in my name, I'll do it. Then he didn't stop there. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you expect him to answer prayer. Now, notice what David said here, and he learned this by better experience. Praying in the name of Christ, yes, but a life to back it up. He says, verse 3, Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth, keep the door of my lips. O God, don't let my life and my lips contradict each other. Don't let me pray one thing on Sunday and live something else on Monday. Let me have a life that will back it up. Incline not my heart to any evil thing, to practice wicked works with men that work iniquity, and let me not eat of their dainties. Let the righteous smite me. Now, there are many men have to go out and work in this evil world. No question about that. And they're rubbing up against it. My friend, the boat should be in the ocean. 
but it's tragic when the ocean gets in the boat. And today, when a man lives in the world, acts like the world, and lives like the devil's child all week, you can't expect him to be heard by a heavenly Father on Sunday, my beloved. Listen to what the psalmist had already said in Psalm 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. God has not promised to hear the prayer of the wicked. And we're told that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, that's the one that availeth much. And we find in 1 John 3, 22, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And the psalmist says, keep the door of my lips here and don't incline my heart to any evil thing. I want my prayer to be powerful before Almighty God. This is wonderful. Now, verse 80 says, But mine eyes are unto thee, O God. The Lord in thee is my trust. Leave not my soul destitute. Keep me from the snares which they've laid for me and the traps of the workers of iniquity. And he prays to God that he'll not fall into the traps of the wicked. You know, the devil is attempting to trip us up all the time, and he has all kinds of devices. And unfortunately, we're not even as wise, that is, some of us are not even as wise as the carnal Christians in Corinth, because Paul could say to them, we're not ignorant of his devices. And some of us seem to be woefully ignorant of it. And so he prays to be delivered from evil so that his prayer will be a potent prayer. Now we come to the 142nd Psalm, and this is a masculine psalm. We're told here it's a psalm of David. Masculine means instruction. That is, you and I can learn something from this psalm as we can, for that matter, from all of them. And this, again, is a great prayer of David. And David is praying out of a cave here. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make supplication. Now, where was he? We are told here, and this is part of the inspired text, a mascal of David, a prayer when he was in the cave. Now, we're not told which cave it was. There was the cave of En Gedi. That's mentioned over in 1 Samuel 24. I passed by En Gedi when we were over there the last time. They've made a new road down by the Dead Sea that goes all the way from Jericho up to Masada. And it's very interesting country because it's opened up an area that's been closed to practically every tourist that goes over there. But now you can see actually in Gideon. That's where David hid. I would say it's a good place to hide. Then there was the cave of Adullam. And in the cave of Adullam is where this man, David, went the first time. And both of these caves are known. Apparently, this is the one. And we are told that uh, it was at this cave that those that were in distress, those that were in debt, those that were discontented, that's when they gathered to him. And about 400 men came to David there at the very beginning. In this place, prayed this prayer, evidently, that he said, I poured out my complaint before him. 
I showed before him my trouble. And this is Psalm 142, 2 that I've just read. In other words, he laid before God everything that was in his heart and in his life. And I think that's the way that we should pray today. This idea today we're to pray around something are we to rationalize in our prayer? Are we to pray all the way around Robin's barn? I think we ought to just come right down to it and get right down to the nitty-gritty and tell God everything in our lives. He said, I showed before him my trouble. You can tell him about your temptations. You can tell him about everything. Here is a very wonderful thing that Fenelon wrote years ago, and I passed this on. I passed it on to hundreds of people. I'd like to share it again. I think sometime in this through the Bible program during the past two and a half years, I have read this before. It'll be worth reading again sometime. Will you listen to it now? And I'm quoting, Tell God all that's in your heart as one unloads one's heart, its pleasures and its pains to a dear friend. Tell him your troubles that he may comfort you. Tell him your joys that he may sober them. Tell him your longings that he may purify them. Tell him your dislikes that he may help you to conquer them. Talk to him of your temptations that he may shield you from them. Show him the wounds of your heart that he may heal them. Lay bare your indifference to good, your depraved tastes for evil, your instability. Tell him how self-love makes you unjust to others, how vanity tempts you to be insincere, how pride disguises you to yourself as to others. If you thus pour out all your weaknesses, needs, troubles, there will be no lack of what to say. You will never exhaust the subject. It is continually being renewed. People who have no secrets from each other never want subjects of conversation. They do not weigh their words, for there's nothing to be held back. Neither do they seek for something to say. They talk out of the abundance of the heart without consideration just what they think. Blessed are they that attain to such familiar, unreserved intercourse with God. My friend David had that marvelous, wonderful relationship with Almighty God. And he prayed that kind of prayer here in all these other psalms that we have here. Now, will you notice this? I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. You see, David, a young man, was anointed king, was in the court of King Saul, and that mad king threw a javelin at him, wanted to pin him to the wall. And this man, David, had to flee for his life. And he finally complained. He was hunted like a partridge. It was open season on him all the time. And he had to keep running. And out of that situation, this young man lifts his heart and cries out to God. He says, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. In the way wherein I walked, have they secretly laid a snare for me. They tried to trap David. And David looked to the Lord, and God was guiding him. And he says, I looked on my right hand and beheld, there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. That was David's condition at first, but Finally, 400 men joined him, and he knew God was in all of it. I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. This man, David, and I think two things we ought to note. He hid in the 
cave because if he'd been taken, Saul would have killed him. But somebody says he was trusting the Lord. Yes, but the Lord expects you to use some good old gumption, just good old sanctified common sense. That's what he expects us to do. Now we come to another marvelous prayer of David in Psalm 143 here. And here you have an urgent appeal of this man for help. And this is a very wonderful, oh, this is a marvelous psalm. And you see David again, no inhibitions, just opens up his heart to God. Oh, that we'd learn to pray like that. He says, hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. In thy faithfulness answer me, and in thy righteousness. Now, this is the kind of prayer that David's praying, and he appeals to the faithfulness and righteousness of God for an answer. And isn't that exactly what John told us to do today? That is, Christians, what are you to do about your sins? First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins... He is faithful. Here we have the faithfulness of God and just, and that's righteous. Here you have the righteousness of God. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's what he did for David. This is a psalm that just lays bare this man's experience. And this is a very wonderful psalm. It's a great prayer. <laughs> And it's one that can fit into your experience and my experience today. And it's a prayer that we can rest upon the faithfulness of God and the righteousness of God to forgive our sins. And they rested upon that. In Micah 7.20, we're told, Thou wilt perform the truth to Jacob and mercy to Abraham, which thou hast sworn unto our fathers from the days of old. Now, if you believe God is through with the nation Israel, why, read a verse like that. And then Exodus 2, 24 and 25, God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham and Isaac and with Jacob, and God looked upon the children of Israel. God had respect unto them. Why? Because he's faithful and he's righteous. And Paul says this in Romans 10, 3, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness, going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Now, he's talking about this nation. That's their problem today. And friends, that's the problem of the Gentile today, trying to work at a religion, trying to do something to please God. He's already done something for you, and you please him when you accept what he has done. For Paul continues in Romans 10, 3 to say, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. And then he cries out in this prayer here. Listen to him. He says, Answer me speedily. Jehovah, my spirit faileth. This is verse 7 here. And hide not thy face from me, or I shall be like them that go down to the pit. In other words, he's saying, you're my only help. And he said in verse 6, and I should have read that, I stretch forth my hands unto thee, my soul thirsteth after thee like a thirsty land. I watched it rain out on the desert in that sandy soil. 
And my, that rains and rains and rains, and it doesn't run off. That thirsty land's drinking it up. And finally, when it's filled up, that's when you have a flash flood. What a picture that we have here, friends, in this marvelous 143rd Psalm. Until next time, may God richly bless you, I believe. If you want to listen to today's study again, or any of these great studies in Psalms, you can visit ttb.org forward slash Psalms, or review all that we're learning by downloading our Bible Companion for Psalms at ttb.org. It also makes a great Bible study resource for a group at your church. Now, in each section, you'll get a synopsis of our study, some great reflection questions, and a link to God's Word online. And then be sure to join me this weekend for Dr. McGee's Sunday sermon titled, When Paul Prayed. Listen online or see if your station carries the Sunday sermon over at ttb.org, or you can call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE if we can help you find it. I'm Steve Schwetz, thanking God for you and your company on the Bible bus. I'm confident that God will bless and keep you until we meet again. Jesus Well, ride the Bible bus for five years and you'll be amazed at what God teaches you from his word about what it means to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It's a blessing that keeps on going. That's what we believe at Through the Bible.